Anyway, I do believe I have a message this morning from the Lord. Bear with me with the message. It's about living a life which is not about us. It's living a life not about me, but it's living a life about Jesus. Self-control. The tool to help us live like Jesus. Self-control. That's the theme. Um, I understand this is probably the last of the series, so in a way I'm rounding it off. Hopefully it's not going to trail down. The idea is it rounding off. So I'm probably going to be repeating stuff that probably was right at the beginning, talking about the fruit, one word, of the Spirit. So I just want to talk about, well, Jesus and something very strange that he said. At the time when he was... um, um, at the time of the Last Supper, I should say. Can I just move this over here? Sorry. Oh. Time of the Last Supper. He said something very strange to the disciples. Um, he said, I am the true vine. And you are the branches, and the branches bear fruit. And if the branches don't bear fruit, what happens to them? chopped off so why did he call himself the true vine well why use that analogy well, why a vine what, what's, what's the bit about the vine the thing is the vine represents Israel it had done for hundreds and hundreds of years ever since they entered the promised land when they could grow grapes it was their symbol and where was their symbol shown was shown on the front of the temple. On the very first temple and the second temple and the rebuilt Herod temple, there was a giant vine painted and motif um, showing the vine, the abundance, the fruit of the promised land, the people, so on and so forth. So that's where he got it from. But there was something else as well. It was also on the menorah. The menorah, that's the lamp. I've got one here. <laughs> got a model of it, obviously a tiny, tiny model of the original menorah that was made for the tabernacle and then went into the temple, the first temple. It's obviously lost for the second temple, the original menorah. But here it is, isn't it? Sorry, copy of it. And again, it's a vine, do you see? The idea is, is that there is the central stem and these are the branches and those are the lamps on the top. So if you're looking at that, which one would we say Jesus was? Obviously the middle one. Does anyone know what the middle lamp... Remember, these are candles, obviously. The lamp, they were little oil lamps. Does anyone know what the middle lamp was called? The servant lamp. And the servant lamp was used to refresh and keep these ones. So each one was refreshed. It was always relit from... Servant lamp, isn't that interesting? Why do you think Jesus called himself the true vine? It's marvellous. The Lord keeps us well lit. And then Paul obviously refers to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, one fruit. It's not fruits, it's not bananas and grapes and apples and pears and whatever. It is one fruit of the Spirit. And as you know, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Try and imagine, say, a large fruit, segments of it. It wasn't a list, starting from the best at the front, although we know love is the absolute paramount. No, you can't express love if you can't express, if you can't be joyful. You can't have patience if you don't have love, and you can't have goodness if you have no love. It's obvious. But the Benjamin of the list, everyone thinks is the Benjamin, the last of the list is self-control. Oh, no. No, it's not at all. It's well in there with the rest. It's equal with all of them. In fact, I would call it the wrapper. The wrapper of the fruit. You could call it the skin. That's my analogy. Please, that's just me. But what is the fruit? The fruit is actually the very nature and character of Jesus. That's what it is. It's Jesus' character and nature. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is Jesus' spirit. It's his spirit. We've got spirits, haven't we? We've got souls. We've got spirits. We won't go into all that. Jesus has the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that spirit is that list. One fruit. His character. But we're here today to look at self-control. So let's look at it. Why do I regard it as a rapper? The thing is, when you look at Jesus' ministry, it starts with self-control and it ends with self-control. Remember the story? The true story? Jesus is walking along and meets John the Baptist at the Jordan, right at the beginning of his ministry. And what happens? Ask John to baptize him. John duly does so, saying, Lord, I don't need to baptize you. But he did. And Jesus rose. And something landed on his shoulder. Remember? A dove. Do you know why it's a dove? Peace. Now, wherever we see the Holy Spirit referred to, anywhere else in the Bible, never referred to as a dove. Why? What's the difference between that and fire? Tongues of fire? Um, What else? Uh, Water? Those are transitory things. The dove represents the permanence of the Holy Spirit with Jesus and in Jesus. And at that baptism, something else wonderful happened. The heavens opened and the Lord spoke. The Father spoke at the same time. Nowhere in the whole of the Bible do you have that point when the whole of the Trinity is together. At that one point, what you were seeing was the fullness of Christ, as it's called. In that one episode, the fullness of Trinity. Jesus is the fullness of the Trinity. And then what happened is he was led into the wilderness. And this is where the self-control came in. You see, the self-control was the fact that he was going to be separated from his Father and the Holy Spirit. And he was led by who? The angels. 
and they tended to him. Just the angels. And he went there and he was tempted and tempted. Why? Why did the devil suddenly just turn up at this moment in time? Because this is the time that the devil found Jesus. Before then he'd been so humble, the devil couldn't find him. With the announcement from the, Ho- the Lord, the Father, and the, um, the Holy Spirit on his shoulder, even the devil could find him. And he then tempted Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights, which, as you know, relates to the 40 years in the wilderness. He suffered. Jesus suffered. He was starving. He was thirsty. He was He was tired. He had no real shelter. He really suffered for 40 days and 40 nights. Every single temptation there was. We know about the three main ones at the end, as it were, but really that was just an accumulation of what he was suffering. Just imagine if he'd had failed at that point, if that self-control had been broken, if he had contemplated the sin that was presented to him. We all know, don't we, that it is not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to contemplate that temptation and move it into your mind, and it builds and builds. Jesus did none of that. His self-control was absolute. And therefore, he could come out of the wilderness start his ministry, and he was still perfect, unblemished, totally. And then the other end of the wrapper. He was in a garden, and he was praying to the Lord, and the disciples were fast asleep. And he was praying... For him, not for himself, but for what he was doing to save mankind. And he prayed for the disciples. He prayed for us, all future followers of him. In sweat and blood and tears, he poured out and said to the Lord, not my will but yours. Take this cup from me. This is what I'm tempted to do, is not to go through this death. But his self-control held him. And then even greater than that was when he died on the cross. Actually died on the cross. He could have, tempted he was, to step down. He didn't have to die on the cross. He could have easily stopped it. And then even greater than that is that what happened on the Sabbath On the Sabbath, we all go home and we all relax. We have a nice time and we eat our, sandwich, our roast beefs. And I'm talking about the Sabbath of then, like a Sunday today. No, on the Sabbath, Jesus worked even harder than that. He went down to hell. He went down to hell on that day to save the souls that were there. This is the day of rest that the Lord had declared. He went to hell. And exercise such self-control in what he was doing must have been incredible. 
And he wrestled the keys of death and Hades and saved the souls. Do you see why he demonstrated that when you, if you do anything on the Sabbath, you work for the good? You grind the sand and feed the hungry. You grind the grain and feed the hungry. They didn't understand that. They said, no, 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 you rest, you rest. No, no, you don't rest. You don't rest from doing good. You don't go rest for saving people. No, you go down and you sort it out. And that's what he did. That was probably the most painful time of his life was in death. Do you see? And what was he demonstrating through this fruit of his spirit? Through his self-control. He was demonstrating self-control to the greatest extreme, which is self-sacrifice. It's self-sacrifice. Jesus emptied himself for us. Total self-sacrifice. That is the end result of self-control. I want to ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. (laughs) Adrian, it's a rhetorical question. What's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? Now, there's many, many definitions of what a disciple is and what an apostle is. I'm going to give you one. A disciple is someone who's actually been in the presence of Jesus. There he is. Meet him, talk to him, and so on and so forth. Whereas an apostle is someone who has the presence of Jesus inside them after their Pentecost, after them receiving the spirit of Jesus in them. That's an apostle. Because they know Jesus. Look at Paul, for example. Paul claimed he was an apostle. He never claimed he was a disciple. So with that simple definition, let's look at two people. And a thing called self-control. We're going to look at Peter and we're going to look at Stephen. Look at Peter, the great disciple. The disciple that Jesus said he's going to build his church, the rock. He was his rock. But what was Peter like as a disciple? Oh, yes, he was excited. He had a lot of energy. He could love. He was a good man. He was capable. All those elements. But then when it came to it, When the cock crowed, three times he had denied Jesus. You see, his self-control just wasn't strong enough. Yes, he even had such faith that he could walk on water towards Jesus. But he just didn't have enough self-control. He couldn't control it. As a disciple. But then Peter had his Pentecost. He had his rebirth. He was born again. Was he not? And what happened straight after that? When they left the room. There was commotion outside. People saying, what's going on? And Peter then stood up and said, it's nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. And he then went on with one of the most eloquent talks, explaining how the Jews had crucified the Saviour, the Messiah. It was a brilliant talk. 
And have you read Acts and 1 Peter and 2 Peter? Can you see a man now in incredible self-control? The difference between the old Peter and the new Peter was just amazing. Because he could actually exercise what he'd learnt. If he has faith, he can actually use it properly by self-control. To the point of, as we know, sacrifice. He was martyred. And look at Stephen. The first Christian martyr. He was a follower of Jesus. He would have been a disciple, in a sense, a follower. And then he became an apostle. In this definition. And he gave a talk. Do you remember the Sanhedrin? That's the story. Exactly the same as, funnily enough, the one that Peter gave. Explaining how they had crucified Jesus. And he was really their Messiah. And Stephen exercised such self-control that he was prepared. He had a face like an angel, as we know, and he was stoned to death. Total sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. So let's ask ourselves a question. Are we disciples or are we apostles? Are we disciples or are we apostles? And where does self-control come into that? I would say under that definition, we're both. Why can't we say that we're disciples if we haven't actually seen Jesus physically? I guess we have. We've got this. Peter and Stephen didn't have this. They had some tiny little bits of Old Testament scriptures, bits and pieces. We got the whole lot right to Revelation. We can even see the end times. This is the Word. Jesus is also called the Word. So in a sense, we have Jesus here in these words. But we also have Jesus, if we have received his spirit, if we have made a commitment to in our lives um, and welcomed him in, and we have the Holy Spirit inside us, and that fruit is bubbling up, then we can also see and feel that presence upon us. We are also apostles. You see... If we become an apostle, we have a a rebirth because the character and nature of Jesus is in us. When I became a Christian, I said, Great, I'm a Christian. I am a Christian. I'm religious. (laughs) I never get someone said, Now, have you got a religious spirit, Nick? Yes, I have. Great. Oh, well. (laughs) No. Jesus did not die on the cross for me to become a Christian. He died on the cross so that I could become Christ-like. That's the difference. To be Christ-like. To be like him. To walk in his character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control. To walk in those things, as it said in that reading. Walk with him and be a part of him. Do you remember Jesus said, not my will but yours, Lord Father? Is that not what we have to say? Not my will but yours. In other words, it's not about me, Jesus. You gave your life for me, and I'm going to give my life for you. You gave me your spirit, and now I need to bear fruit. I don't want to lose. I don't want to be cut off. And it's not to do with fear, it's to do with love. Because Jesus so loved the world, he gave his life and sacrificed himself. He emptied himself. And that's for us to do the same. Now, it doesn't mean we have to go and be actually martyred. It's talking about serving. So we have to say, it's not about me, it's about others. Why others? Well, we had the reading, didn't we? Where is Jesus? Where is God with the people that don't know him? He's there. He said, when I came and I was hungry and thirsty, you fed me, you gave me drink, you clothed me. They're not really, he's not really talking about food and drink in spiritual food, spiritual water. That is what we can offer. And it's a lot, it's a big sacrifice. There's a lot to do. How do we do it? How do we go day in, day out, giving, giving, giving all the time? How do we do it? Through self-control. Jesus had already thought of it. It's in his nature. It's now our nature. Let us walk out together in that nature. Under full control.